This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, divine be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? I'll go full. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast with me, Rich Hobbs. Joining me this evening, we've got Stu Hall, we've got Tom Gibson, and all the way from Baltimore, which is going to make things nice and easy, we've got Danny from AKO Baltimore Wolves. Danny, how's it going, my man? It's going great. Just an amazing day full of unhinged content on Twitter. Sounds like any other day, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, it's so good to be back. Obviously, we're talking about yesterday's win against Spurs. Um, I just don't know where to start because it just feels like we just know how to respond. Like, don't get me wrong, Stu, we, me and you were on a, for the Brentford reaction show, weren't we? And <laughs> we're a bit frustrated. And then to kind of come back like we did yesterday. It, just what the doctor doctor ordered. Yeah, I mean, it's it spurs away. It's it's our playground, isn't it? It's Lads, for all, for, it spurs. Yeah, for all uh, Deji's silliness on the on the preview show last week, he teed himself up perfectly, and I was <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home and get a nice kebab, uh, but no, there was no pizzas left. So I had to get that. So I had to put a picture of Donna eating chips on Twitter, which is an unusual thing to do on a Saturday night. But there we are. But yeah, I don't know where that bravado come from. They they should know better by now that we they can't play well against us, and we have their number now, like very much like like Burnley have had ours for the last well since since the King went there. Um, but yeah, it was it was the most typical Wolves thing ever, wasn't it? And we can get we can get into what's going to happen next Sunday because we all know. Um, but Spurs away, it's great fun. Yeah, a wonderful time as always. So let, let let's talk starting lineup because I don't think there was many much conjecture in terms of it. Obviously, we were out Kuna, weren't we, Tom? And I think fingers and toes were kind of being crossed that Quang was going to be fit. Um, oh, and having him over Bellegarde, but 
it, it was what I think we all suspected, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think there was any big changes, anything that people didn't expect. I think Huang, obviously with Cunha being out, it was perfect. It was perfect timing for Huang to come back in. Yeah, I, I, I've when I kind of saw the lineup, um, I, I know Stu, Stu, we were both a bit slightly critical. Where we have Bellegarde in a way. Um, post post Brentford but Danny I get I guess from your perspective more than anything sort of what were your kind of initial thoughts when you kind of saw the line do you think you know what we've got a good chance here or I don't know because Spurs yes we, we do have a good track record against Spurs and Spurs are um actually I always find this curious because I I'd use the term best Spursy <laughs> uh, which which kind of doesn't work when they are Spurs but they are just so wonderfully inconsistent. Um, what were your kind of thoughts going into the game as a whole? Because obviously they're fourth in the table. There's quite a lot of positive PR about them. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, I, I think earlier in the week I was more concerned than later in the week. Uh, once I heard that uh, Poro and Yudogi were out, I just mm. I thought I couldn't decide whether it was going to be a low scoring game or a very high scoring game. Um, and I, I suppose we hit somewhere in the middle, but I, I saw chances for uh, for both attacks to to find places to score. So, you know, I just looked at Huang and Neto uh, and potentially even Joe Gomez, who ended up actually showing up uh, in those spots uh, to get in behind those uh, those players who had to replace them. So. Um, so yeah, I, I will say I was I was slightly more confident by the time the uh, the starting lineups came out, and I will say that uh, having watched the uh, your preview show, the the Spurs fan on there really got me fired up when he, <laughs> when he said they were going to completely run over us. I was I was uh, I was ready for battle at that point. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, uh, I, I'm a fan of anyone who's looking to kind of put their name out there and create content. I don't. Doesn't matter where, you know, how long you've been doing it, where you're in the world, but yeah, hiding for nothing. He was what when I saw that, I, I watched it live and I thought, oh, this, this is going to get clipped. And yes. you know, you're right. I think you, you make a very good point. The fact that they were without both fullbacks um, was a really good thing for us. And I don't know, maybe Spurs fans would feel differently, but. I think they might have an argument to make that in the first game we were beaten 2-1, and deservedly so, that they were without their two main centre-halves and then in the return fixture without their two main full-backs. But I don't really care that much considering we're without Kuna. Um, and I think we might be without Neto. Saying out loud, home one. Yeah, yeah I, I think he was out, wasn't he? Sure yeah, Sarabia wouldn't have played, would he, otherwise? Yeah, um, yeah. But I was I was just going to say that, Rich. I mean, you look at how potentially our player of the season in Cunha been missing for the first time this season, as Gully's pointed out loads of times. Um, that's more important than them being without Mudogi. I mean, they have got they're supposed to be ch- chasing the Champions League, and just, if they can't deal with little old wolves, and then we're slicing them open like Caesarian fam, then what? <laughs> there's no excuses there. Um, but I. Fair play to Gary O'Neill, you know, because I, I thought Dan did have a point. I thought he would go with three in the middle, even though we, we haven't done it all season long. I thought he'd play all three of them um, and, and bring Doyle in. 
and he didn't. He went balls to the wall, and we. It was the right approach, and he got it spot on again. Yeah. Um. Let, let Let's go right into the game because I think there's some really interesting tidbits to come out of it, and a few players are you know who we're going to want to kind of talk about in the wash up anyway. Um, yeah, shout out uh, to anyone who's listening on YouTube um, live, whether you're watching it back. Um, big thanks for anyone who's commenting. Yes, I am uh, wearing an art of football uh, clothing branding, and yes, it is fantastic. I'm not not going to lie, not but genuinely. And Stu, I can I can feel you uh, twitching. Oh. Say something. It is a genuinely really comfy <laughs> jumper. You know what? If it's good enough for Harry Styles. I can't take the piss out of you anymore, can I? <laughs> no, you you can't. You can't. That's the thing. So yeah, um, take fashion advice from me. Don't take fashion advice from me. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that, guys. But um, definitely go check them out because their Wolves range, which they launched last week, is it, fantastic. I think they've even got uh, something from Wolves Foundation, um, like a specific one there. So if you're looking at, you know. Um, give a bit back as well. Definitely something uh, worth looking at. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's talk game now. We've talked um, my fashion uh, choices for the, for the week. I've literally gone from navy blue feast behind me to navy blue jumper. So it's, it's worked out quite nicely for me. Um, anyway, so the game itself, I did, yes, Wolves did go for that kind of counter-attacking approach, but I think it was underpinned by some really strategic kind of pressing as well. And I think just to kind of say, oh, we've stuck 10 men behind the ball and pass it to Pedro Neto to run it up the pitch is a bit short-sighted, would you say, Stu? Yeah, I was, I was shocked when the percentage um, stat came out later because it really didn't feel like that being in the ground. It was. I know a lot of that was in the second half when we just kind of let them have the ball and let them piss about passing it sideways and backwards all the time. Um, but we never. It never felt like we were under any pressure, which is a strange thing to say considering the amount of chances that they did have overall. But yeah, it was. It. I know we said it a, a couple of weeks ago that the Chelsea performance was probably up there with the best away day we've had since coming back um, six years ago, but. That one again yesterday was up there and it didn't feel anywhere near like the smash and grab that some people, well, mostly Spurs fans, um, are saying it is because it did it wasn't at all. We had equally as many chances, decent chances of them as them. I mean, you could do the start of the game with Wang. I mean, that's a terrible miss. I don't care how, how high it's bobbling up, it's a bad, bad miss. Um, but you're thinking, okay, we're going for it straight from the off, we're not. Seeding possession, we're not going to sit back straight away. We're going to and pick them off when the chance arises. We're going to do something, and I think that kind of turned turned the crowd a little bit because it did seem before the game it wasn't as rowdy as it has been um, the last few away games. Can, well, probably because of what happened against Brentford, um, which is to be understandable. But it from the off going at them, and it worked, and everyone was behind them then, and. and yeah, it's quieter because it tends to be at that stadium. It's it's wonderful and amazing, but it's not. It's hard to get an atmosphere going because the, the roof's so high. But we get it a good go, and so did the team. I mean, you look at you look at that there. Seventy point eight percent possession compared to our twenty nine point two. But then you look at the touches in opposition box: fifty one to them, twenty two to us. But expected goals: one point one two to one point one five one. 
So <laughs> who who's the happier? I couldn't care less about possession. Fuck it. Who cares? It's it's goals and, and our chances were better than theirs, statistically better than theirs. It's not just arguing from a ball's point of view. Yeah, I mean, even like it, I think it got weighed in the second half more, but particularly in the first half, we were just testing them time and time again. And you know, I, it, it frustrates me when people say, "Oh, you just put men behind the ball and stuff like that." But you're winning the ball on the halfway line. You're winning it inside <laughs> their own. It's like Xiao Gomez. I mean. We could probably just do a podcast on Joe Gomez, to be honest, and, you know, fuck it, why not, in a way? Because I think the phrase here, there, and everywhere falls short of how well he performed yesterday. I think I saw a stat that he made about 14 tackles slash fouls and 13 passes. (laughs) And the, the, the scattergram of where all of those incidents took place were, like, throwing dartboards it was it it just i don't know how many weetabix he had yesterday but he was something else i think one thing that i love about gomez as well he celebrates his tackles more than he does his goals (laughs) he like he just loves tackling and winning the ball but i think as well it was only a couple of weeks ago that i was saying like it's going to be hard for gomez to get back into the team because of how well tommy Doyle was doing and now yeah. he comes back into the team and now he's putting in top-class performances. Just, I mean, like he was before, but, I mean, it just shows the amount of quality midfield that we've got in this group. He's second to none. Yeah, I think I think you, you're completely right there. And uh, we've had a couple of really kind of um, uh, on-the-money comments on YouTube as well that he was making key passes as well. And I think... Again, when you think of defensive midfielder, you know, Terrier, like you don't associate them actually being able to get their head up and pick a pass as well. And you know, yesterday he, he did just that. Whenever he was winning the ball back, it wasn't just pass it to someone who's more creative. It was like, you know, I'll play it forward. I'll break the lines myself. And yeah, Tom, uh, you're right in terms of what you're saying, like, you know, Tommy Doyle kind of was pushing him for that second place. And like I, I you're right, Dan's point in terms of going for midfield three. I could see it on the basis that it's quite hard to almost separate Doyle and Gomez in the last like two months, would you say, Danny? Like in terms of like, different types of players, but their performance levels have kind of been up there in terms of pushing each other. And I think it showed yesterday for me in terms of Gomez, just that extra bit of motivation, maybe. I mean, that's exactly what you want, isn't it? I mean, that's the, that's what everybody says when, you know, you bring in depth options is that they, uh, they push the other players to play better. And I was one of those people who said, you know, Doyle's been so great. I, even if Jao Gomez suits a, a certain game, why would you take Doyle out? <laughs> And then we do exactly that, and Jao Gomez shows why he should stay in the stay in the team. That's exactly what you want, and it was it was it was glorious to see. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's talk about the goal, um, the first goal, <laughs> anyway, of Jao Gomez's, and I think this kind of underpins what I was saying about oh, we're, we're not just a counter-attacking team because that came from like a spell of pressure, didn't it, Stu? Like it wasn't just like. Oh, you know, 
the the old I was going to say pass it to Will like that Fresh Prince of Bel Air episode, but I feel like that that's going to um, alienate that's, that's, Tom because he's young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but anyway, the the whole pass it to Neto, and then we got a corner from no, it was from like a series of of, of attacks to kind of mount up and. Could I see Jao Gomez being an astute header of the ball? Not really. But I get what a couple of things kind of I was interested about the corner. So I'll I'll let you guys talk before, you know, interjecting with my benign thoughts. I mean it helps when no one marks you. I mean that's always advantageous. <laughs> um but again out of all the people you're gonna pick up, why would you pick up Jao Gomez? He's not showed any kind of that there is a danger or a threat from an aerial point of view, really. Um in any, in any box, let, let alone scoring bullet headers like that. Well, not so much bullet headers, it was angled to perfection, but with pace. And it was a superb corner as well, which we don't say very often, especially um, hmm. for a club like ours, who are traditionally terrible at corners. But it's right on his head, and it's what it's obviously been worked on. And maybe it's been worked on for the fact that, yeah, it is, is a surprise option that, yeah, we are pinging corners to Joe Gomez because no one's going to be picking him up. But he's still got to do the hard work. He's still got to put his head on it. And you look at that header again from Luton, uh, from Barkley at the end today, that went just over the bar. That could easily have been Joe Gomez yesterday. But it wasn't. It was perfect. Since you brought it up, Stu, I'll, I want to ask you, which is worse, Wang's miss or Son's marking of Joe Gomez for that goal? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, yes, the, <laughs> the, the, the miss is ridiculous. I, I I don't know what he was even doing. The fact that he starts laughing as well. It's like, well, what 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 else can you do? You're not going to put your head that, in your hands. He has got that in him, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, like, I can think of about four or five. Like, here's a bit of a um, you know, many to one ratio, isn't he? Sometimes Wang. Yeah, I mean, there's a good point there in the comments that Max is up to some dark arts there, holding defenders. Good, yeah, good. The amount of times people people do it against us, taking us six years. Yeah, (laughs) let's be bastards for a change. (laughs) Let's make it work for us. There's nothing wrong with what what was going on there. It's a bit of jostling, but we ain't we ain't had any of that for ages. Well, they're they're doubling up on both Kilman and Dawson because they keep (laughs) messing with them, and it's it's great. (laughs) Like I think that that's what stuck out to me and. In terms of like, yeah, it was a good delivery by Sarabia, and it was quite nice to see. And I think you know you hear the tidbits of Gary O'Neill and how he sort of focuses in on you know different aspects of the game where he can exploit a weakness. And like clearly, one of Spurs's weaknesses in a way was how they line up for a, a set piece and just being a bit clever. Like it, it, it doesn't need to like be a complete like trick corner or anything like that. But just a couple of people just coordinating themselves for and ending up, say, the person you least suspect with a really good opportunity. And again, great finish. But it was nice to sort of see a very clear training ground goal for something that should happen more often, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's almost like we're stunned that we scored from a corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we scored from a few this season, but you know, it's interesting because you think like Lamina scored from a corner, 
and I think when our centre halves have scored this season, I'm thinking, you know, um, when Dawson and Kilman both scored against Everton, no, uh, West Ham. Yes, that feels right. Yes, uh, around Christmas time, they both scored in the same game. Um, it was kind of from almost that second, third phase, and they just sort of stayed around in the box. But the goals that we've actually scored, from, it was Everton, uh, basically the same team um, <laughs> in my head. Um, <laughs> that's, I, I don't know if that's more of an insult to, to be honest. Well, um, probably. With it, with, with it... With all the nonsense about Moyes and everything, <laughs> I do love his, uh, his just point blank. Just... Yeah, if you get rid of me, you're going to go shit again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely superb. It's, it's, it's so toxic, that relationship <laughs> with that club. I love it. Um, but anyway, like, the ones I can think of, like Lamina scoring from a mm. corner. And again, very different type of delivery and, and things like that. But someone who you wouldn't necessarily bank on being in those positions so i think it's, it's interesting that Wolves are trying this and it it was more than deserved as well um tom in terms of how the game was playing out as well yeah definitely i think we deserved our lead going into the break 100 percent um but i think you know talking about us scoring from corners a lot of it's got got to go to sarabia yeah as well because like a lot of the time like we've had over the past few years, I absolutely loved Jean Moutinho, but I was sick to death of them short corners. <laughs> it's like it was. Mm. It's nice to see a ball actually being whipped in and players getting on the end of it the way it should be. Really, that's why you have a corner. proper way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think even though like Sarabia gets a lot of hate, really, I feel. Um, but his set pieces. We've had so many goals from them. I think it's it's probably a vital thing, like you say, from the training ground, where O'Neill has worked on them kind of things. And the like, like we say about Gomez, no one is ever going to mark Joao Gomez in the box, but <laughs> that's why you should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let let's talk Sarabia for a second because I mean we've still got uh, plenty of time to talk about Joao Gomez as well. But, <laughs> but Sarabia against in in basically ninety minutes effectively. Um, against Spurs because he didn't. I think he was only on for pitch of thirty minutes in the first game. You know, scored a wonder goal and two assists, and was and played a part in the second goal say yesterday. Is he almost quite good? <laughs> Dan is the only person who hates him. Let's, let's just no. I mean, no. To, no. To be fair, I <laughs> I <laughs> I was gonna say uh, not to kind of completely side with Dan, but I I don't. I don't know what it is about him, but I find frustrating. I think the problem. I, I think my I mom had a point as well yesterday because she's she doesn't like him either, and it's. I think it's because he's he he does lose the ball in ridiculous ways, but he's attempting stuff, and hmm. he attempts a lot more than a lot of people think he does. And when he does, when it doesn't come off, it's exposed because it's normally a pass that you really should play, but he plays so hmm. many that. By law of averages, you've got to lose possession occasionally, and he's got a little away about him, and he's not the fastest, so it, it looks even worse because when he, he when someone gets it, they are going to go past him, and he's going to lose possession. So, I think that's I think that is generally what it is. It took him time to settle because again, he's not the fastest. He's small. He's come from France, and yeah, he might be a Spanish international, but that doesn't really mean anything. We've had players from all over the world come here and, and not do it in the Premier League. It takes time. 
and last season was his bending period, and this season he's going to be in the top <laughs> top six in the the other fourteen on on Twitter again when <laughs> when that gets published tomorrow because he's got yet another assist. Yet he's mm. shit. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I think he's, he's like a really frustrating player because, like you say, he's not the fastest. But like I've noticed, like if you watch him in game, like some of the spaces he gets himself into and the way he creates his own space to play them type of passes first, it kind of because of his age as well. It takes it brings up younger players. It helps them as well. It's that kind of like with Dawson with Kilman, for example, that kind of experience and having those experienced players in the squad. Our other players are going to learn off that who are faster than him. So when they can do it, it's even better. Yeah, we've had a really good uh, comment on YouTube that kind of syncs in with what you were saying, Tom. That you know, Pablo's risk reward evaluation with uh, passes in midfield is way better than Podence's was. And I think that's a really interesting kind of way of looking at it. And I think if it's just not exciting, or he's they say he's not as quick as someone like Podence, and he can't you know, beat a man on the touchline to get half a yard of space. And you know, I, I, I'm happy to plead ignorance on this. I, I, I've not watched much of Pablo Sarabia uh, throughout <laughs> the first decade of his career, um, but I doubt he's ever really had it. But, you know, the way he can kind of just open up that extra bit of space, um, I think it's just frustrating that this feels like his ceiling. And obviously at his age, it probably is going to be. But... He almost doesn't kind of quite be able to pick that pass in the same way. And uh, Matt Bradley, um, again, I think the issue with Sarabia is he's uh, the highest paid player. Uh, we expect him to do more than he does. At the same time, though, we also got him in on a very low mm. transfer fee as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, from my perspective, like he, he's paid back that three to five million. It wasn't huge numbers, was it? No. But we, you know, if he gets sold in the summer, um, and he wants to go back to Spain. Cool, great. You know, we we've we've kind of got our money's worth from him. I think it's just a shame that we've almost not. He's not quite pushed onto that level in the same way that I'm at the same kind of level that Neto and Kuna have operated on the majority of the season, I guess. And I think it's like, what are you comparing him to maybe sometimes? I, I don't know. Um, I, mean, I think, I think you you've got the- it right there, is that what are you comparing him to? You know, he's he's never going to be faster than Neto. You know, he's never going to be as clinical as, as Huang. But I don't know. I wonder how much of it is what he does off the ball because – you know, I was one of the people who said, oh, this is probably a Bellegarde game. We're going to be sitting in more Bellegarde's better breaking through the lines and, and dribbling or whatever, you know, like sort of a halfway replacement for Cunha. But I think something that Sarabia does that I'm starting to notice is the way that like natural strikers just end up turning up in the right places. He turns up in the right places to receive passes that get us up the field. And uh and it, it's just one of those roles that is never going to seem like he's worth it, you know, <laughs> that mm. uh, that it's like he's he's going to seem like a passenger because he's mostly just pressing or or shading people off, keeping keeping passes from happening and then popping up in the right places. The right place is probably not at the back post trying to slot home a goal, which he missed yesterday. But but the right place is receiving the ball that's swinging it in. So, 
Yeah, he's he's almost playing like a, a pivot but further up the pitch, which is weird. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you look at those other comments from Mike Evans there in the comments, he's a Matinho replacement and not just on his wages, because that is almost a like for like, but his return from what Matinho's was in the last two years that he was here, especially, it's night and day. Mm. You're not gonna you're not gonna have you know, I've got his replica of his shirt there behind me on the wall because he's my favourite Wolves player. Above Neves, about above everyone else, take bully aside. Giamatino, I couldn't believe it when he signed it. It was amazing. What a day. Um, but he's time to come. And he, 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 the last two years, he, he, he kind of trickled away. And we've got Sarabia here, who still is not... I think it might be a Samedo issue as well. And we'll come to Lord yeah, Nelson let, in a minute. Because... I was going to say, let, let, let's talk about the Admiral. We, we probably need a side, <laughs> we need a side on nickname for him, actually, don't we? I feel, because you've gone Lord, I've gone Admiral. Well, both, Admiral. Both, but yeah. both grounded in. In logic, Let, let's <laughs> let's get anyway. Let's talk about Semedo. Um, because again, yet yet again, just shut down Son. I mean, are there any Wolves fans who still doubt Nelson Semedo? Oh, like old, old, old school, old school. yes. Um, <laughs> just I, think, I think there's too many still. I, I just think a lot of people just have it in for him. I don't know yeah. why. Don't get me wrong. There's like there's been times in the recent seasons where like I I think like you see him defending a one v one in the past few seasons, and I've thought, oh, yeah, it's a goal here, or he's going to get past him. Like, <laughs> no, because it that you know he just was. Everyone was getting past him when he first joined, but from the way he's developed to now. He's one of our best players by a country mile, I think, because he's so consistent. And he, he doesn't really have an off game, really. Um, but I think, I don't know why he still gets hate. Like I just like I said, I admit I used to have a lot of hate on him when he first joined. But over the time, he's got better and he's adapted. So why would I still hate him? <laughs> yeah. And you, you look, I mean, we mentioned it at the time, that Man United game in that first half where he was marking three blokes on his own. Mm. And he did, he did a decent job. And like the people said, like, get stuck, get a tackling. And then he'd get a tackling. And then there'd be nothing, there'd be no praise. And these, these are the balance that's <laughs> in the Steve Bullupper next to me. And they ne- they're never going to like him. They're, they're ma- their mind is made up. That's what they are. They hate him. He, he can do what he, he can, he can win the Ballon d'Or and they'd hate him. Um, but yesterday he was imperious, and if it wasn't for Joe Gomez turning into a superstar, he'd have been man of the match by a country mile because he was excellent. And yeah, he's got his kryptonite coming up in a, in a week on Wednesday. Um, he, he beat, I, I thought he beat. I was going to say he did beat that curse, but Matoma's back, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he, he was he, somehow he, survived a broken knee today. <laughs> <laughs> that challenge. I mean, that challenge. I said it, I called it at the time and I said, Well, that's clearly a red card, isn't it? And then my brother was like, Oh no, it's all it's it's just clumsy. I went, it's not clumsy. And unless you have the replay. And he's like, Yeah, okay, fair enough. It, it what, can what be both. It... it can be a mistake or clumsy and still be a blatant be... red card. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think he's I don't I don't think um Hogate's meant to, you know, try and chop him up the knees. But yeah, so I was gonna say, unfortunately for Wolves, I guess he's probably gonna be fit for Ten days time, um, it's not even that, is it? It's uh, middle of next week. Um, but 
yeah, just Samedo yet yet again. I mean, the only thing I can think of is he he doesn't score goals and he doesn't create chances in the same way other fullbacks slash wingbacks have in terms of that he doesn't you know whipping crosses. He do, he doesn't get on the end of balls in the same way Doherty had, had that really instinctive knack for. But it's almost like he's not that type of player. Mm. And Doherty was a freak. Doherty yeah. was a freak. Of, uh, no no right backs or right wing backs scored goals like he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not something that, you know, wing backs notoriously don't, you know, it's not like it's a high scoring position on a football pitch. Um and that's the only thing I think if you take that out and, and Mike Evans, um, you know, I don't think it helped he gave away um, that penny against Villa when he first joined. Yeah, agree. And I think about the first six months, it was a bit ropey. And I think there was that adjustment period with him and Wolves in general. But I remember like in the February of that season, like tweeting about something on the lines of Samedo's put a quiet run of games together here. Like he, he's not, Dropped to bollock in about ten games here, and and that was in his first season, and we're five years in, sort of thing now. And like we still, it still kind of feels like there's that a haziness uh, to a degree. Um, but I don't know. It's it, it's tricky, and I think something that I I'd not anticipate in terms of how we're going to set up. But Neto did start most of the game on the. He did play most of it on the left, despite the goal coming from the from the right. But I think Neto is a very curious case. Of, I think if you just watch match of the day, the all your other highlight packages are available. Um, you'd have gone, oh, he had a great game. You know, you, you saw him, you know, run eight yards at the pitch. But I think if you actually watched the full game. Mm, Stu, I'll pass it over to you, my man. I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make the noise my mechanic makes at me. I mean, for the for the audio people in the know, Rich did have to go and fetch a bluey to uh, manage to get it up today, and that was that was his microphone, let alone anything else. Um, so that that noise is normally what his his head headset normally sounds like. Um, yeah, Neto was a disgrace at, at times. Um, I, I said I said it in there, and Pricey said the same thing in the group chat. That until that assist, his attitude stunk, and there was people starting to get on his back um, in the away end, and he was throwing his arms up in the air, and when he was getting frustrated, and it was to the detriment of people. And it, it's all well and good saying, "Yeah, it doesn't matter because yeah, he won us the game," which he did, which is fine, great. And it seems like something that the club have managed, that Gary O'Neill's managed, and that no one really seems to care about. But he's it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with me that he's throwing his arms around and he's blaming, he's, he's aiming things at other players and he's blaming people. And he never used to be like this. He used to be fine. He used to be one of the, the quiet ones and he'd let things lie and he'd carry on and and just get on with it. And now he seems maybe maybe it's the fact that he's a bit of a leader now, and uh, that he's because he's been here a long time, and he's suddenly transformed into what he always should have been by the injuries. And it's his want to win. Maybe he cares too much. Maybe it's that. But it just when it's not working and when he's not producing, you can kind of look at it and think, yeah, this is a bit of a bad look. And you you kind of you're gonna damage. <laughs> So you're going to damage your fee, but 
Bruno Fernandes has made a career out of being an arsehole. And maybe is that Iberian temperament? Maybe it just is the way they are. Some of them, they're just, they're too far for their own good. I think, but um, it, sorry, mate, go on. No, I was just saying, but like Mike said in, in the comments, he stepped up his leadership order because we have got that new the leadership group, so to speak. Maybe he's taking on the responsibility and that's his way of dealing with things. Obviously, it doesn't matter to the team because we are where we are and, and everyone is as one as soon as something good happens. He's not ostracised. He's not pushed away. So maybe we're looking too much into it, but it, at times it just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what. It's just one of those no. things. I think particularly, particularly first half. Yeah, I think to me, it's one of them things where you look at when he first joined and all the players were like Raul, Adama, you had all these players ahead of him. So, like you say, he was that quiet kid. He was like learning his trade in that sense. But I think you look at him now as, you know, kind of like the main man. I think he's like, I remember seeing the one pass where he could have been played on the counter. It went out, the went out, ball's gone out, and then like he's throwing his arms about. Part of me is like, you don't want to see that. Because it looks like he's throwing a tantrum. Mm. But part of me is like, well... You want to care. Yeah, because he's trying to push that. He's trying to say to his, you know, say to the players, you know, you're better than that. And I think it's kind of a way of him to say, you know, give the ball to me and I'll, I'll do it kind of thing. I think that's just his kind of way of taking it on. And if he's, if he's doing it and he's providing it, I've got no problem with him doing it as long as he, he's taking on that responsibility, which he is. Um, I think it's pushing his teammates further, but it kind of just doesn't look in a good way because it's not all shaking hands and clapping at each other when they've made a mistake. But I think sometimes in football, that's just the way it is, and I think it's just mm. the kind of way that helps in a way. That bit of tough love. And like you said, some of these, but we have got a, ni- a very nice group of players, and maybe mm. that's that's his. Maybe that's the the influence of uh, Diego Costa in him. Maybe that that six months <laughs> six months in his presence um, is is what he does does to a man that you feel inferior and you want to you want to emulate him somehow because in terms of giving people a bollocking and, and trying to make people better, he was the, the best at it and. You're right. If it works, it works. And for but for parts of that game yesterday, he didn't until it did, and then you look like a twat. So <laughs> it's it's just the, just something to keep an eye on because you don't want it, you don't want one player being like that to the detriment of everyone else. Um, it's just something to keep an eye on, really. Yeah, I mean, like it all kind of gets cast by the wayside when he drags the team. 70 yards of the pitch, I guess, and yeah. the, and does the very sensible thing and like has the composure. And he's done it time and time again this season to to pick the cup back. Um, and again, Xiao Gomez just eating up the yards to knock it in. David was asked, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what more what more can you say about a, an overall performance when when you cap it off like that? Really, I mean. Um, it's funny we were just talking about um, about that moment where uh, Jacques Gomez plays it out of 
out of bounds and uh, and Neto throws his arms about. And I was worried in that moment that Jao Gomez, who had played that pass, would be worried, you know, like would be uh, would start to hide a bit more because he'd been so front foot. Uh, but he didn't. And this is exactly what he gets in reward is that he keeps at it and uh, and pushes that ball out of the out of the box and feeds Neto properly this time and continues up the field and is in the right spot to finish. What a great moment. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, the, the key things about the goal aren't what Neto does between the, I say the two boxes. Like it, it, it's like, it's the work that, um, cause was it Gomez who won it initially and then knocked it to Sarabia? Yes. So it's like that that bit of work and then you know the, the weight of pass from Sarabia we've already talked about and you know that that's the the advanced pivot in action isn't it in a way because Sarabia's ne- never going to be able to catch up with it <laughs> but you know how it, it's almost like um, without Kuna there you know Gomez very much heeded the call in terms of like we we're going to need to make sure that we've got runners runners here and Lamina was doing the same as well and getting forward to just you know push on that bit further and you know take take that gamble and and it showed it it, it really did um we we kind of skipped past the the spurs goal because because <laughs> uh, who likes talking about when we can see goals let's be honest um i almost skipped past it in real time <laughs> yeah well it, it's like it happened you know what was it 36 seconds into the, into the second half or something something bonkers yeah a, a bit of a frustrating one but uh, do we think there's any sort of fault at lie or was it just a really really good bit of skill by uh, Kulisewski? i thought it was interesting that um in i think the post match gary o'neill said uh that he was disappointed that we let that throw in go to a forward player. And Mm. that's not necessarily something I think about all the time, but, but yeah, when you're in, in your own third and uh, you have, you've, you've given them a throw in and to let them just throw it to, I think it was Richarlison's feet and then he feeds Kulisevsky, but it's, it's just like, these are the players that they want to get it to in the box. And you're allowing them to, I think he was in the box too. You're allowing them to throw it to Richarlison's feet in the box. Isn't that the opposite of what you want? So as much as I think that probably Dawson and Saab will want that one back, I also think who the other players that were in the vicinity probably bear some responsibility for even letting it get in that position. Yeah, there was, there was three opportunities to get rid there. Um, but again, he, he's caught Dawson off balance, and he's hit it first time. That's kind of, I mean, I was I was, was talking about this on the way back, and, and the amount of times that Peter Schmeichel used to get done for Man United through his legs because he was so big. It's just one of them things. You either put your legs together and you you make yourself thin, in the hope that, you, that you're not going to get done that way. But then you can't get down to your side if they put it in that position, or you just go, go starfish. He didn't either because it, it was a, a, a fast reaction. And it was the usual thing of, oh, it's fucking saw. Get rid. Bring Bentley back. <laughs> but actually, it's... I've been in that position many, many times by any goal. And it's just one of them things. It Shit happens. 
but it's it's not just his fault. It's not Dawson's fault. Like Danny said, it's a multiple of errors, and and Gary O'Neill is right to be pissed off. We just got to be a bit more streetwise and switched on, and especially at the start of the second half, which is the exact opposite thing you want to be doing. Yeah, I think I think that's the kill of it. it happened just after half time. It it was just it almost felt like just we weren't quite that hundred percent just focused on do, doing I guess the basics, but the really advanced basics you say in terms of blocking out the forwards players. And you know, I know I give Craig Dawson a healthy dose of criticism, but I don't even think he's like that at fault for the goal personally. I think I think it's genuinely like it is a really great bit of skill by Kulosevsky because He's, Dawson's almost tried to do the right thing and is suspecting that at, at any minute now he's going to want to cut inside onto his stronger foot, but then to take it further to the byline and, and then to sort of prod it home. You say the frustrating thing is it, it's preventable in a mental capacity rather than rather than anything else, but yeah, it, it, now I guess to loop back to being 2 1 up again. I don't know, it felt that we still had that level of control and it didn't feel like it was, you know, last man standing, backs against the walls. We always looked calm and in control. I think it's that feeling, um, I said before, of just knowing we're going to score. I think Mm. that's the difference with this Gary O'Neill team. We can go one down, even two down. You know we're going to get a goal. You know, either an equaliser or get one back. Even when they score and they make it 1-1, you know, I was thinking we've still got an half to play. We're going to get chances. You know, we're going to have chances to score. As before, I might have thought, well, great, we're probably going to sit back and try and grind a, a point out here. But um, that's the difference. And just taking that gamble, as we say, it shows because, you know, say... That shot got saved, and then you've got Gomez in the box. Lamina's isolated. They could have had a counter-attack. You know, it could have been a completely different thing, but that's why they work on those type of things on the training ground. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You don't want to dream too much, Um, although dreaming... (laughs) It is for free, as, as the as the prophet once said. And you know, Gary O'Neill comes out after a game saying, "I love the fans dreaming. I'm delighted to enjoy themselves." You can see the connection between the players and the fans. We need to keep um, trying to push it, and th- there is a real sense of togetherness, both with you know um, pl- fans to players, and also that group of players as well. There seems to be a genuine, like a good crop of players who are playing for the fans, but also for each other. Hmm. Yeah. And you could, you could see it as, like Tom said, you didn't feel bad. Like when you, you can see the goals in the last few years where anything whatsoever, you know, it's doomed today. You know, you know, you, we're not going to come back. We're not going to get anything at all. We aren't going to end up losing it. But it was like, okay, fair enough. Dusty it go again. And then you look at the end. <laughs> Let me there for the uh, audio listeners on the on the video clip. Summoning everyone over as one, and it's all the whole thing of oh, it, for the pack, and it's a bit of a it's a bit cringy, really, but it, it kind of works because it's true. Because every single one of them, and we saw that 
ridiculous photo of Kilman dancing with the boys. Um, uh, I, I've been searching <laughs> to see if I can get it. I, I love it. You, you, I mean, Stu, me and you watch a lot of American sports. Danny, I'm, I'm sure you do too. Uh, Danny, are you a Baltimore Ravens fan? I know you're... Yeah, I've, uh, I've been a Baltimore Ravens fan. So, <laughs> so like, I mean, I, I know the, the, the head coach, John uh, Harbour, was... I say picture and video, like they 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 they, they won a uh, playoff game. It was picture dancing in the uh, change rooms afterwards, and it it felt very much similar. To that I, I, it's just a gutting, gutting. It was it was just all um, image rather than video because I think you know what I can't remember quite what Max said, but it's like you know all the effort was there, the rhythm was not, and but you know what, just enjoy it, and it's not oh. You've won your cup final and stuff like that, and like football should be about fucking celebrating a win. Yeah. I I don't, I don't get it, and obviously we've had all the stuff with Liverpool recently, and Wolves have done it to a degree as well. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know like Arsenal and stuff like that, um, and Ruben Neves got quite mouth chippy about it, but. It it does bring people together to actually celebrate those victories. You know, it's kind of leadership one hundred and one to kind of you know drive that positivity forward. And I think when you do beat a you know, I think when you beat any sort of top six team, regardless of where you are in the other fourteen, it is still a point to be celebrated. This was still a game where if Wolves had lost two one through other circumstances, we'd have all come in here and gone, yeah, there probably you know, oh, we tried hard. It could have been something different on a different day. But no, like we, we should be happy. We the fans should, you know, people have paid a fuck ton of money to go and watch that game. Like, Maybe. be happy yeah. for it. From from where I sit, I, I this is a thing I've ever said before. But in terms of team team togetherness, it takes a little bit of cringe, you know, a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of vulnerability, you know, to bring the the team together. And that's what I see there is like. I'm sure Kilman will not want any videos of that to come out, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's just, it's one of those you're, uh, you're participating, you're, you're a part of it, you know? And even if it's funny, I'm sure it was funny to Lamina, to, to Tony who were in there, you know, but, but that's, that's their captain. And that's, that's what it takes to bring a group together. And everybody, every fan wants their, their whole team to be a, a bunch of hard men that just go out and smash every other team, but we're not all so lucky and you're going to lose some games. And the, the price is that you have to keep the team together. <laughs> and uh, I'm loving it. I saw Craig Dawson in the background there uh, really <laughs> yeah. enjoying it. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, he uploads whatever videos he has on his camera. Yeah. I, do, I, 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 I do like the, um, yeah, the players in the background with similar skin complexity as me just sort of saying, this is, this is a good time people are having, but I'm not going to ruin it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the nicest way of putting it. But you know what? Fuck it. You know, celebrate your wins. So long as you're probably not doing it after you're losing a changing room, I'm, I, I'm down for it. And But it does sort of show that actually this is a group of players who are just enjoying themselves at the moment. It's reflective in how they're playing. It's reflective in what the manager's saying. You know, when we're all kind of pushing Gary O'Neill to do the fist pumps um, and probably pay, what, a 50 quid fine to Jurgen Klopp for it. I don't know quite how it works. I, I don't know. I don't know the contractual basis. But, um, oh, interesting comment on 
the old YouTube um, for Mike Evan Stew. Um, I don't know if you went, uh, but what was their food like at the stadium? I didn't have any yesterday. Yeah, I didn't have any yesterday, but the first time I went uh, pre the end of the world, um, it was really good, actually. It was nice. It wasn't the the usual generic, bland, rubber shit that you get everywhere else. It was actually quite tasty. Um, So I had a pot because we were there early the first time just to sample it all and. You know, I had a pie and I had a, I had some, it was a hot dog of some kind. It was not just that you roll over one that you, 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 you know, the ones with the, the, the meme with all the, uh, all the hot dogs, hostages on the face, that kind of thing. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just them. Um, but I, actually, the, the beer, the beer was all right yesterday because we had a, a pint of neck oil, um, which is remarkably good uh, for, for a stadium like that. Um, that was relatively cheaply. Um, I think, because I thought, well, comparing it to Weatherspoons is probably not fair, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's Weatherspoon. It was three pound eighty four in uh, that was in Camden, so mm, a bit more yeah. than here. Um, but yeah, pints of neck oil in the ground was six fifty nine. You're in you're in North London. It's not. It's but it's it not is, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but we we we're paying like five fifty for pints of Carling. <laughs> so yeah, extra ATP. Yeah. You, I mean, you you could get Heineken. I think it was Heineken for five eighty. I think was the other choice, okay. um, which normally is all right. I mean, it was six. It was six fifty. I think for some singer at Chelsea a few weeks ago. That stadium is superb. There's no two ways about it. It's the best. Other than it, it looks amazing. The views are amazing. Atmosphere, not so much. As much as the cameras and the microphones can be placed in strategic places. When you're actually there, there's it's hard to get going, especially with their, their massive wall like Dortmund. They are Spursy, so it's not the same. Um, but yeah, everything about the place is properly spot on. Hmm. Plus, you can race go karts underneath the pitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, lo- it looks really good, but at 16 stone and 40 years old, I think I'm, I probably won't be um, the target audience for that. And neither will my bones. So, I, I mean, I, I pay genuinely good money to see, to see it happen. Um, oh, well, if people want to sponsor me to go and race around underneath the, under the pitch, then by all means, I'll do it, I'll do it for the people. No. <laughs> um, right, a couple of quick ones. So, uh, in terms of how things are sitting league table wise, we're, I was going to say we are 11th. Um, I think there's that hope after the game that, well, hang on, we'll, we'll overstep uh, Chelsea, managed to get um, a point themselves yesterday. But it that middle pack, and we've seemed to have done a really good job now of just separating ourselves from the bottom tier of the table so we are whether you're first about whether we're classed as you know top half or whatever but we're we're 11th um at the moment on 35 but you know you've got brighton who with a big healthy goal difference um are only three points ahead of us in seventh so like that middle pack it it's all up to play for isn't it really just top half for the bet. That's all I care about. And I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think we, we're too inconsistent against teams like Sheffield United um, to manage to get top seven. I think, um, but it doesn't yeah. really. It, it, it doesn't really matter. This, this season is more about vibes. It's amazing. Like you, you turn up every week and you think, oh, okay, 
we know we know we're going to have a go, and yeah, we can get pissed off when we lose to Brentford and probably Sheffield United, but we've got hope and we're entertained. We haven't been entertained for fucking years. It's amazing. <laughs> and we've like we've already said that we when we when we concede a goal, which we seem to do every week, it doesn't matter because we're we'll just going to score another one. And we haven't even got a striker. It's the fact that the whole the whole squad, like we talked about as well, that everyone's together, and the fact that he's got he's got this team of misfits and and people who no one believed in at the start of the season, in, himself included, to perform like they are and to believe in this concept and, and carry on from start to finish. It doesn't even matter where we finish now. It'll be annoying if we're not in the top ten for personal reasons, but I think it's just more of a statement of things that if we finish tenth. When everyone, I know we, we um, quote tweeted a, a brilliant <laughs> compilation video earlier today of people writing us off from that Saturday social nonsense show on Sky. Just finishing the top 10 for us would be incredible. Just to say a big fuck you to all the doubters out there who thought we, because Lopetegui left, we were in the shit. When actually, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Hmm. I mean, even when you look at like the games we've got coming up um, in the league, that is, you know, Sheffield United at home next Sunday. That's going to be a loss. Um, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just, oh, just you hate it, don't you? You hate it. It's, just it put your just, money on. Just, just soften the blab. We all know yeah. it's going to happen. Dean, Dean's uh, already done it. Marston's done it already. Fair play. Fair play. Uh, good for him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, look, so... When we got what, Newcastle, Fulham, Bournemouth, Villa, Burnley, West Ham, and you know that's like a really good run of fixtures um, against teams that are winnable, along with a potential cup um, push as well. It, it it is all very much still to play for, um, but you know what? If we finish eleventh, it's not a bad season. I think that you know. If we just stay where we are, not out of being bad, but just out of, you know what, everyone else is kind of consistent. I think I did see something earlier that, like, if we all keep it, if all the teams keep it their points per game from the fifth game of the season, then we will finish seventh. But it is just the big one for me is goal difference when you look at the league table. But we're on minus one, Chelsea on plus one, West Ham on minus eight. <laughs> Like that, you know, we're talking about, you know, Stu, like how are we going to get into the top half? It's going to be them because we are a draw away from, you know, being ahead of them in the table and, and a loss of those. Um, when you've got Newcastle on 12 and Brighton on eight. So it, it, that that's that's going to be the stumbling box. So, you know what, if we can finish between ninth and 11th, that, that is a such a re- solid foundation and a really good uh, way to uh, build upon for Wolves. Um, last week, we did get a question from Lynx Wolf, who's a regular listener. Uh, do our young players that are out on loan or in and around the squad have potential to be better than Neto slash Krang slash Kuna? Um, Slash, uh, do we have any uh, good DMs coming through the ranks? I'm assuming that's in case we we lose Shell Gomez. Um, I- I'm curious because I think I saw something about Chiquinho, one player for a month or young player for a month. Um, Danny watches everything, leave it to him. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah. not watch whatever league Chiquinho is in, <laughs> I will firmly admit that. 
it's enough to keep up with early morning games over here. And just on that, I'm just happy to have the the more entertaining football coming back because I just look back and the the four nil loss to Burnley that was an early kickoff for me. <laughs> so let me tell you, waking up for a 7:30 a.m. game and then watching Chris Wood score a hat trick. <laughs> is uh is a completely different experience to this to this year yeah i don't know in terms of uh players out on loan i'm honestly more excited about yursa mascara coming back i think Mm. he had such a good Mm. season out in mls i think that the the loan move that they got for him is a really good one um and we've already seen where craig dawson is not immune to to the rigors of age. Uh, he's still a very solid option, but having Yerson Mascara come in, be a, be another option for us could be really good. Yeah. I, I, I think his development has been an interest uh, has been a fascinating one. And I think if it does sort of pan out in terms of, um, yeah, I think they were kind of warning sign, but you know, a bit of a red flag in terms of going to MLS and, and going to Cincinnati, which is a bit unfair. Um, but he, he showed like his potential and ability there to then come back and get a move to La Liga to Villarreal. It, it's kind of hopefully just developed him. He, he got lucky, he got unlucky with injuries, um, at, at Wolves and. You know, yeah, we talk about Dawson, you know, what what's his lifespan left and stuff like that. And the likes of, you know, um Kilman in terms of, you know, he's been mentioned for moves in the past as well. If you end up going into next season with Toto Gomez, Max Kilman, Santi Bueno, um, Yus Mosquera, and Craig Dawson, that's a pretty fab five centre half matchup. And I know like we we've got the likes of Tommy Doyle, um, who we all assume we, we're going to sign regularly into, I guess, in terms of Lynx Wall's post, in terms of those attacking players. <sighs> I, I am an art, and I think there's sort of a new sort of trait in football. Um, and Stu kind of correct me incorrect. Is you send, you don't, you don't send out the players who you think are going to do really well. You send out the players who you want to make a return on. So like well, Luke but, Kundal, for example. Yeah. Like we we we're, we're loading them out to 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 market basically. Yeah, so, send them send them lambs to the slaughter. Um, yeah, to soak. Same thing. It's a bit. I know it's the Foden Man City model that you, you're talking about because it worked for them. Everyone's going to do it now. But these players, some of these players, are not good enough. <laughs> they never will be good enough. And no, that's just a fact of life. And fair play to them, good kids. They, they don't cause any trouble and they, they give a good account of themselves, but they're just not good enough, are they? I mean, I, the, the fact that we've, we've kept Fraser here almost against his will, um, just because we, we so really screwed up. <laughs> the struggle thing is a different story altogether. Um, I think Hodge could be oh, another one there we're still with. The, I think Hodge should mm-hmm. have done the Yerson plan. I think he should have done it as well, but <laughs> it's the fact that he's the fourth midfielder that we have. Um, so we don't really have much choice. And he's again, he's ne- I don't understand the hate that he got whatsoever. He's never put a foot wrong for me. He looks a bit, he looks competent. He's not, he's a bit ordinary, bland maybe, but he, he does his job and he does it very relatively well. So 
I think with some of them, you are right, Rich. They just need to be put in the shop window, make it, make a bit of coin out of them, reinvest, move on. We might get lucky somewhere down the line. But some have potential. And we've said about Chiquinho, he's gone away and he needed that. Um, the new kid who I'm, even I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, um, who's been on the bench a few times recently. And he was in the dancing video as well, the dancing pictures. Um, he looks like he's got something about him. He, he looks lithe. Um, but again, Jim <laughs> like Campbell's been mentioned in the comments. Where's he disappeared to? <laughs> you know, the, these players come through and they're never going to be good enough. The, you know, Liverpool find these these freaks of nature and they blood them and they're the best right back in the world <laughs> in the space of a month. It doesn't happen to us. Mm. I mean, what was the last one that happened to? You know, Robbie Keane, Les Scott, maybe. Um, Hennessy, you could you could say, yeah. Um, Hennessy had that big low. He had that low move at Stockport where he set the football yeah. league or league two record, and then got dumped in it of the playoff. Yeah, um, and it, semi, and then and then just didn't, then couldn't lose his place really, could he? <laughs> Keanu Hoover, there he mentioned yeah. as well. Completely yeah. forgot about him. Um, we do still own Keanu Hoover. Yeah, like it, nine million, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but in a, actually, you know what? It's it's going to come to a point where uh, you know, did Matt Doty sign a one year or two year deal? Like, is having someone like um, Hoover who has done a couple of seasons in the Championship now and has be been a bit more solid and hopefully knocked off some of that less than appealing attitude, come back into a situation where you know he's always got the opportunity to do the thing that. He wanted the first time around in terms of being brought in to compete for the first team spot, which was never really going to happen when you spend the amount of money that we did on Nelson Smedo. So it might go full circle on him. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll some of those young players. I think Wolves will try and cash in on quite a few of them. Um, Or at least hopefully get a few more strategic loans for, you know, the likes of Fraser, personally. But but we will see. that about wraps it up for today's show. Um, fellas, big thank you to everyone who's joined us. Of course, everyone who's um interacted with us live on YouTube. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Of course, um, if you're watching back on YouTube as well, uh, feel free to comment to your heart's content. And also, if you're listening on podcasts in your car or wherever, make sure you give us five likes on um. I was going to say on Apple or Spotify, wherever you fancy listening to us from. Um, but and also make sure you're following Wolves Fancast on um, X because I got told off the other day for calling it Twitter by someone. So, but it's Twitter, isn't it? No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> I feel like. Do you think there's going to be a point though where it's like trying to like call a marathon bar? Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, calling a Snickers a marathon bar, even like people are like, oh, no. I'm just gonna stay. You know, how long do I sort of hold course for? And I feel like I've held it for long enough, so I'm gonna start calling it by its proper name, calling it X now. But do you even remember it being called marathon? Because no, I don't no, it. It, no, I don't. I'm, I'm just using that as like the first yeah. thing that came to my head as my, you know, fifty year old, fifty year old man in a thirty year old star- body. <laughs> what about starburst? Oh, what when they used. Uh, no opal fruits. Yeah, yeah. See that will that will work because people just accepted Starburst. <laughs> I love I love how we are literally now getting comments about this. <laughs> They've rebranded it, you fools. Um, yeah, <laughs> feel, 
Feel free to um, let us know about any of the Sif? name change. Sif and Jif, yeah. Yeah, that was another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think people are not going to we... call it X just out of defiance. And yeah, I, feel like, I, feel like that's, I feel like that's potentially where I'm, I'm coming from. It since, I'm, since I'm a social media manager, I'll just say it's never going to be X because you always have to qualify it. Because if you use it in a sentence so frequently, you have to say the social media platform X. You have Like, you can't just say a letter. And then have yes. people know what you're talking about. So you're always going to have to qualify it. So it will be Twitter forever. People might say X formerly known as Twitter. They might say X slash Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. It's yeah. like when when Prince turned himself into a sign. No one can say that. You can't the say artist, it. The artist formerly known as Prince. Not that little squiggle. Bollocks. So anyway, follow all fancast. Um... <laughs> Wherever. Yeah, wherever you fancy us, we'll be there, of course. And we'll be back to preview the um, uh, Sheffield United game. And hopefully we'll be a little bit more optimistic uh, when the end of the week comes about. But until next time, um, Danny, big thank you for joining us. Um, Give yourselves a bit of a plug. uh, Whole lot of wolves. Will do. Of course, I'm here sort of representing the Whole Lot of Wolves podcast, which is the first and as far as we know, only uh, US-based Wolves podcast. Uh, we put out episodes roughly weekly. We do our best. Um, and I'm also the social media manager there. So uh, you can see all of the weird stuff that I come out with uh, at our our handle, which is on screen, WLWpod on X slash Twitter. Uh, but if you want to see the offcuts, the stuff that I consider too absurd for, <laughs> for the official uh, handle then you can follow me at Baltimore Wolves. Love it, love it. It's goodbye from Tom. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Stu. Someone's mentioned sugar puffs, and I don't remember them being called anything Ooh. else. <laughs> That's a great... You know what? what? I was going to wrap up. But... That one's genuinely... I know it's got, it's got a new name, apparently. <laughs> I know it... Right, so in 2014... Um, um, along with the name change from Sugar Puffs to Honey Honey Monster Puffs. Um, what? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this is how bad the rebrand's gone for from Stu. That does it. That can't be right. That that must have been pulled. Back. Um, I I am reading it off Google. I don't. I do not know. Like well, I, I can just I can just hear typing. like this cannot be right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Even now, Honey oh, Sugar Puffs. Puffs. Anyway, Frosty's better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we take it from there. So I'll see you next time, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>